My name is Chris. For the first timers here, I see there's a couple new faces. But last Sunday we talked about Luke chapter 19 and the story of this guy named Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, who uh, runs and climbs up into a tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And we're going to relook at this story, so I won't go into all of it. But we're talking about this. Jesus makes this statement around in that story. He says, today salvation has come to this house. We're going to take a few minutes this morning to talk about what really is salvation. And I am embarrassed to say that for me growing up, salvation could really... Alright, this is what I'm more embarrassed to say. My wife and I have a pretty good marriage. Alright? Sarah and I have a pretty good marriage. There's one time in our marriage when conflict comes to a peak. And that is when we play Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a pretty chill guy. I promise. I'm a pretty relaxed guy. But there's something that played Monopoly against her does to me that I've literally wanted to take the game board in the middle of the game and just, poof, just throw it across her. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Scrabble. And what happens is Sarah will get Boardwalk and Park Place and all those green ones. <laughs> every time we play, she will load them up with hotels, and every time I roll, I land on each one as I make them. And it's just infuriating. When's the last time we played the Monopoly? Anybody know where this is from? It's from a t-shirt at a Christian bookstore. I don't know if you can read it, but yeah, here is your chance to move towards salvation in the tiniest little writing, accept Jesus and stay out of hell free. You guys would laugh. It's one of those things like you laugh so you don't cry. to be shrunken down to size 9 font on a monopoly. I mean, does this wild something up in you? Can anybody relate? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Today, 
there's this thing. Working in missions, we were introduced to this thing called the angel scale. Anybody heard of this? So the angel scale was groundbreaking in that it made it so that if somebody is going to get saved, basically what that means is they, they acknowledge that there's a process there, of kind of a journey people go on. I was looking at some of the wording, and now here's the thing, guys. I'm kind of trying to be a little playful here. Take this super seriously, okay? But at the same time, we do. I love that you kind of navigate how you do that. But but I I'm trying to point something out that I think needs. I'll say this: what I'm going to say this morning to you is not going to be any news to you, but it might challenge some frames that you can put in place. Is that fair to say? When I say this, you'll be like, duh, and you might at the same time say, why hasn't anybody put it that way? I actually had somebody tell me that on the phone. My heart's always known this, but I've never heard anybody say it like that. That's all we're trying to do. Get there as much as I can. But look at what this is about. So we're not going to go through all of this, but just, just ponder this for a minute. At negative 10 on this scale, somebody rejects the idea of supreme being. Then they work their way to not conscious of, then they're conscious of, then they have knowledge, then knowledge is kind of manifest, then they understand, then they have a positive attitude, then they recognize that there's a problem, they continue to act, then there's repentance and faith in Christ, then they are at zero, a new creation in Christ. Should make you raise some eyebrows. Then number one on the positive side, we're finally into the positive after 10 steps. And they say this is about a four-year process on average. Um, you're a new creation in Christ at zero. We celebrate. And then there's evaluation after decision. Then finally you're incorporated into the congregation. And then it gets better. Then there's growth in knowledge. Once again, it's that knowledge. Knowledge and then disciples habit. Then finally, once you get the positive form of space and scale, you begin that transition of thought. And then you have Larry Sice, everyone. <laughs> and then once you get past positive point plus four, being with God, then you can apparently go into ministry. <laughs> now, now, could this be helpful in some ways? Let's do this. Let's hold on to this as we look back at Luke chapter 19 for a moment. We're going to do that. We're asking the question this morning, what is salvation and have we misunderstood it? So, you want to open up your iBibles? Luke chapter 19, this is verses 1 through 10. You'll remember the story. So he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was new to the one who passed that way. 
into the place he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. So they're not happy with Jesus going to be a sinner man. Zacchaeus stands there and says to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. So apparently, Zacchaeus skips some steps, or just blasts it through the scale, and he's at like number one or two already. He's gone through a lot of these things. That's what happens sometimes with Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Today salvation has So as we look at this story, we ask, what is salvation? You might say, well, obviously Zacchaeus decided to do some good work, so there's salvation in today. Zacchaeus already believed some things about Jesus, that's why he climbed the tree to see him, so what's it about what Jesus or about Jesus? I don't know if we have enough to go with this, so let's look at another story. This is Luke chapter 2, if you want to flip to that. <coughs> Luke chapter 2. Speaking of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus, when the time came for their purification, this is Luke 2 22. Luke 2 22. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem and entered into the temple. He presented him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated a holy people. And they offered So they're going to offer Jesus as they're consecrating him unto Yahweh. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he would see the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the village, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary of the law, Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms, praised God, saying, Simeon was standing there holding a baby, holding a baby in his arms, and he prays, My eyes have seen the Lord's salvation. We're not going to read through this whole passage, but there's one more place in Luke that seems significant. John the Baptist gives, gives some background. 
it was written in the book of the book of the prophet Isaiah, this is what comes back and says. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways plain. All flesh shall see salvation. So, when we look at the story of Zacchaeus, I think it might be helpful for us to be aware that I think Jesus is speaking very significantly here. He says, Today, salvation has come to this house. You know what he's saying, don't you? Guess what? Salvation sat down at Zacchaeus' Simeon wasn't, I don't think, looking up to the heavens when he was praying that prayer. Today, yet so often far from us. And the thing that this monopoly card and the email scale show us is that we've made salvation into this set of ideas that you have to believe in to be saved. If we go back to the email scale, it was all about ideas, it was all about knowledge, it was all about things you believe or agree with. Give a sense to, right? And then finally, at plus four, you can begin to maybe have some beliefs of God. But is that the picture of salvation in the scriptures? What if salvation is much more than a set of ideas that we believe in? It's actually a person. If salvation is actually a person, how would that change you? And when I say that, how many of you guys go, no, that's weird? How many of you go, duh? But do we really carry that frame? In the way we Salvation was more than a set of ideas that we believed in. It was actually a person. Going back to our monopoly card, does salvation include being saved from God? possible that saying salvation is simply a get out of hell free card. It's kind of like saying first castle is that one little tile in the country. Is it 
difference between salvation and believers. Look at how it tells us that the salvation comes through Christ's gift of power to all those who are saved. You know that Jesus' name actually means Look at Matthew 1 21. This is an angel speaking to Joseph. Joseph is debating whether or not he's going to get married because she was very pregnant and he's like, hey, scandal. The Son of God is born in you. Scandal. Joseph's saying, that's not a very tough love. And the angel says, hey, stay with her. She will bear a son. You are to name him Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. For he will save you. From their sins. Joshua is identified all of a sudden. He asks us every time we die, people are like, Mommy, Daddy, what does my name mean? And Sarah answered him, and he misunderstood. He goes, The Lord is selfish? <laughs> she said, The Lord is salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. It doesn't mean Yahweh saves, it means the Lord is salvation. Salvation is a I love that Beth incorporated that last song by this song. He has overcome sin and death, and all of those things, all of the grace and favor come into our lives. The word saves, and I'm going to go back to the English scale in a minute, but the word saves, or save, in Greek, you guys have maybe have heard this word, sozo, right? Look at some of what this word saved can encompass for you. It encompasses forgiveness, healing, restoration, freedom, deliverance, debts, cancel. There's a verse in James 5 that says, If anyone among you is sick, let him come to the elders and give prayer, and the prayer of the righteous ones will heal the sick. That word heal is actually sozo. The prayer of faith will save. But salvation incorporates and includes healing. It includes restoration. It includes forgiveness. It includes freedom. And all of these things are not encountered as we agree with some idea that Jesus was the Son of God. That's a great place to start. But it comes as we walk the kind of like we've done this with salvation. It's, uh, one author tells, kind of tells this parable. And, uh, we have some runners in here. I'm going to put one of them on the spot. I know we have a runner. I'm not going to ask anybody to run. Do we have anybody that has run a race before? Does anyone want to come up in a minute? You're not going to actually run a race. Come on. Can you do it? Come on. Victoria had hip replacement surgery. You got to make it. You don't have to run a race. I need a couple more people to make this a race. Come on. We're not going to actually run. 
So here's our starting line. So this is kind of what I think we've done with salvation. Say that these three line up for a race, and your gun goes off. Now just imagine, so you guys start off, and you're thinking you're going to do a long race. But imagine that they take three steps. So the starting line is there, the finish line is all the way out here. And they cross the starting line, and then they turn to one another, and they begin to high-five and celebrate because they crossed the starting line. <laughs> wouldn't you find that interesting? Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. You just started the journey. You but do you think that's maybe what we've done with salvation? Is we've turned this idea of getting saved into a starting line what is supposed to be the start into the finish line. Or it's kind of like Sarah walks up to the altar to meet me and become my wife. And then it's like, okay, now we can go our separate ways. Because we did the ceremony. Uh, you guys need to have a seat. Thank you for Wow, look at you. I'm very Your surgery was what? Like a week? about salvation, but isn't it tragic? Because would you guys agree that this is often how it's kind of portrayed? <coughs> Yay, we've started the journey. What if the angle scale actually described the process of a relationship development? What if at the beginning it was, they have no idea Jesus exists, and then there's this, they become aware of Jesus from a distance, and then they become aware that Jesus is actually maybe good and then they become aware that Jesus actually cares about their person. Then the Jesus is the wisest person in the universe. And the Jesus is real and tangible. Then it just kind of moves on. And the next thing you know, you're actually walking in relationship with the creator of the universe and have Jesus' heart from the very beginning of the world. So you've always belonged to me. Now you're just now starting to get it. Yay. Isn't that a little more saving to all of your being than just thing about this is the reason all of you are here is because you're just here. Like I said, I'm not telling you to do But I think we need to get our frame right because doesn't this affect how we communicate with our friends and family? And Jesus is inviting us further deeper into relationship with every stage of our life.
experienced a church service not too long ago, and the frame that that church service was being read out of was very much something like this, and you could tell that there was a profound sense of urgency to get all the listeners to kind of cross that starting line. Have you been in a service like that? Have you experienced that? Or you can tell that there's just kind of this pressure, this agenda, like there's people that they want you to say these words. Let's get you to pray this prayer. And they'll feel better about themselves. And it's for you as well. But some of you know what I'm talking about. But there was this sense in which there was this urgency like, if you don't, blah, 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 then you know. And Sarah and I experienced that, and we left the experience, and we, it felt the way she described it. It was as if it was as if someone came and said, hey, I want you to, all right, so, so Simon, one of our eligible bachelors here. <laughs> Can I be awkward for a minute? All the awkwardness will rest on me. But just, just imagine for a moment that some new, looking single young lady comes to Costa and <laughs> some new single good looking lady around the mid-20s comes into Coastlands and I think excited and so I go and introduce myself to her and I'm like you know what I have something I want you to meet and I walk her over and let you say her name is <laughs> her name is her name is Tracy. I just I thought I should really think about it. So so her name is Tracy. She walks. I'm like Tracy. Good to meet you. Welcome here. And she, I find out that you know she's maybe looking for a relationship. I don't know how I found out that, but she sees I'm a pastor, and so she just opens her Bible. <laughs> I didn't even intend that awkwardness. So, so I find this out about Tracy, and I'm like, hey, Tracy, got a minute? And I come over, and I'm like, hey, Simon, come here. And I introduce Tracy and Simon, and I let them talk for a couple minutes, and I explain, you know, what Simon does, what his family does, and the next thing out of my mouth is, so, Tracy, what do you think? You and Simon want to talk about She said yes, what would that indicate? <laughs> Either on the stutometer, he's through the roof, which is true, but it would also indicate a little bit of dysfunction in her body. <laughs> so why do we think that that needs to be the case when it comes to communication? Why are we okay with people being enticed by Jesus from across the room for four to six months? And on their terms, they get to know each other. And out of this, a beautiful, authentic relationship. Now, here's what I realize the main problem is. When we make it about heaven and hell, when we make salvation about not going to hell, then yes, the reward at the end of being saved is heaven. 
have no interest in getting to know the person that actually makes heaven heaven. Heaven without Jesus is, guess what? Just clouds and hearts and <laughs> I don't think that's what heaven looks like, but heaven without Jesus It's not heaven. It's hell. Jesus is what makes heaven heaven. Not heaven being what makes heaven heaven. We have problems when we don't have a frame that says, hey, when you get to know this beautiful, amazing, loving, wise, powerful, tender, affectionate, just, safe but not safe, good, Oh, and by the way, when you do get to know him, there are some fringe benefits. But guess what? Those things don't matter when you get to know him. Unless you want me to. If you see somebody, you just let me know. That goes for anybody else. But you guys see how tragic this becomes? We've shrunken this beautiful father, the Lord of the whole cosmos that created everything that so the super mega leader We've taken the one that looks at that as if it's this big, and yet looks at it from our vantage point, and we said, hey, you're about as big as a mountain. Like, yeah, you're pretty big. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll do this for you. But I'll do it in that sure that you want. Remember that thing that happened to you when you were seven, and it's totally changed the way you function about authority figures or the way you function in relationships? That thing that, that wound that got you? Yeah. Salvation from that today, not just that someday. You know that thing that's holding you back from doing that job or from whatever. Jesus says, I'm going to see you through. Come sit at your table. I'll give you some. So let me hear from you guys, and then let's see what this, um, the youth are going to stay in with us this evening, but do you see what I mean now when I told you that I'm not going to tell you anything that your heart hasn't already known, but that maybe presented a different frame through which you leave it open just for a couple of comments and then and then we're gonna see how maybe the person of salvation might have moved with us this morning. Victoria.
look at it as Jesus sees salvation and sees relationship with him, the thing that still stands out to me so much is that it's never the same for any two people. And when you look at these modern ideas of salvation, uh, saying the sinner's prayer, which is something that is fairly modern, actually, my understanding is that they started with Billy Graham saying, what do I do with all these people? Like, how do I help them direct towards Jesus? Like, their experience, how do I verbalize it? And that's where the sinner's prayer came from. My understanding, of course. But when I when I look at what we're talking about and what I've always felt in my heart, and when we talk to people and get to know each other, no story's the same. And so it can't just be believed. It has to be known and be known and have relationship and walk that out. Um, I don't have the same relationship with anybody. It's all different. And so I got saved in an instant, just like that. But I've watched people get saved over years to finally really realizing who this Jesus is and their lives have been transformed. And so it's, it's just such a unique thing and it's so important for us, especially those of us who want to introduce salvation to others, introduce Jesus to others, to make sure and realize that it's, it's not our job to save. It's our job to introduce and to walk alongside and to be okay with however Jesus wants to enter into someone's life. And... Um, think in heaven when we're there I really truly believe as I've gotten to know Jesus more and more that I'm going to be surprised at who I get to celebrate Christ with um, because he's a master at being himself for people and um, it's exciting and I really like this idea and if we can just like grasp onto that then Evangelism looks really, really different. I know that word like makes so many of us just go, Ew! but but seriously, what is evangelism then? Evangelism is introducing people to salvation, to Christ, to the living God, and that's evangelism. And it's a pretty neat. It makes it a lot easier for me. I've been told I'm an evangelist my whole life, and for me to like understand this and to be able to say oh that's what that is I've been so confused hey check it out this is Jesus you know it changes everything in two sentences Susan I was 16 years old. I was so excited, and my friends started to come to 
real quick. Um, as much as we're saying all of this, I also truly believe that you become a new creation like that. And I think that's important. Like, it is a working out. This is just my personal belief. But I know that through my relationship with God and everything I did, I can tell you today that my life radically, completely shifted from being old Brandon to new Brandon. And, uh, and he made me a new creation. Talks about us being made new creations, and I am forgiven, and I know that through my relationship with the living God. And so many times we can have such an amazing revelation of truth, and then the enemy can come in and power, power all this stuff on top of us with lies, and all of a sudden we can think, Well, I didn't walk with Christ today, so if I die today, isn't to say, oh, we need to do more to go to heaven. It's saying there's so much more in life in Jesus that can help you. If you don't take that, it's a reminder that it is power you need to take the first salvation on the cross of Jesus. Okay, so um, I've, I've heard a lot of people say things, so there's multiple things. For me, I was wooed by God into really seeing who Jesus was. And it was not a overnight thing where I just go, yes, bang, everything's different. See, I'm a, I have a hard time trusting people. I'm less and less now, but just growing up, hearing lies and seeing lies, and they're not like lies, like they're lies that people believe because they're naive. And so uh, I was baptized in a Presbyterian church I believe that's very important as far as my walk goes, but because my parents gave me to Jesus, and I think that's really important, and I haven't seen anything that doesn't say it isn't. Um, but the thing is, is that it took a long time for me to go, oh, Jesus is who he says he is, because so many people wanted to be Jesus and say, you need to know Jesus, and look at what I'm doing, and this is what you got to do, and this is how you got to do it. And I'm like, no, uh, no, it's not working for me, you know? And I didn't say this to people. I'm, I was pretty quiet, but it took me until I came up here and saw and was surrounded by the love of Jesus and not by the people telling me I had to be like them or do something in particular 
And uh, that's when I go, oh, now I know who this person is who has come down, who has written, given us his word, who he is, and that's who it is. It's not man. We merely are an expression of him when we have him. And uh, so for me, it was like the revelation was I finally could see clearly who Jesus was because he wooed me to him. Okay? And it's, it's what Alice said, thinking about and what Betty said, but it's both. Because salvation is a person, salvation is relational at its core. Yep. And the yep. stories you hear of Jesus encountering people, you know what Jesus does? He preaches the gospel of another person and says, hey, you can be reconciled. Yeah. Jesus puts people in relationship, but not so that that relationship can be formed. Yep. So that there's Yes, and, right? Yep. So this is this. It's the best answer besides Jesus. Remember last week? Number one answer to every question is Jesus. Good answer? Yeah. Um, so, thank you, Al. Yeah, Mike, you want to? Everybody stand. I've asked Mike to, to help me just be listening to the Spirit and say, how can we
and see that. And so I just felt like the Lord wanted us to gather like and to just around one another and maybe share what it is that he has done or is doing in you for you. We talked about sozo, walking through the rooms and touching. That was what I was seeing. His presence, his mercy, his goodness. But I, and I know some of your stories, so That's it.